Welcome to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm so happy to welcome all listeners from around the world to Mobility Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovators Podcast invite key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their thoughts about the key changes in the sector, about their work, and what is the forecast for the future. Today, I'll be speaking with one of my favorite CEO in the mobility sector. He's a serial entrepreneur and spatial analysis expert. He's working hard every day on the future of mobility and building the product to apply location data for the benefit of passenger and all stakeholders in the mobility sector. He's heading the company which is based in Switzerland and has a presence in the United Kingdom, USA, Hong Kong, and Vietnam. I'm so happy to welcome Roman Oberly, Chief Executive Officer of Exnovi. It is now time to listen and learn. Hello, Roman. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this show. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Hello, Jasper. Uh, thank you very much from my side. I feel flattened and honored to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you uh, on the show. Uh, I'll be spending time uh, to learn more about you, about Exnovibe and your vision on the future of mobility. To start with, I would like to ask if you can share a little more about yourself with our listener. And are there any interesting facts about your career that are not on LinkedIn? I saw like you didn't put too much on your LinkedIn, so you must have a lot of things to share. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. So uh, um, I'm more a man to to move things on than putting in on LinkedIn or getting awards. So it's more the attitude to, to really move on with the company and spend most of the time there. I mean, background is surveying engineer. So I'm super, still super fascinated about location and uh, uh, location points with a timestamp and a quality stamp. And I think that's the source where we try to do our magic. Um, Stuff that you don't know, I think it's, it's quite usual. So I had a lot of maths and statistics and uh, what I now use is most likely English, which hasn't been my preferred um, topic <laughs> uh, during studies, but because we are a global company, I have to do so. And, and the second thing is, um, and I think that's uh, quite human being as well. So you evolve during your business and now I'm got super fascinated about psychology as well, because we try to change people's behavior Oh, yeah. And uh, I now have, I'm an engineer and I try to understand why do we behave like we do, right? So those are maybe the two two hobbies oh. or an additional hobby that I got into the game here. That, that's really interesting, merging technology with psychology. Uh, and that's how I think world is moving forward, uh, the technology with psychology. You, you mentioned that you did your bachelor in survey technology and you did your master in information technology. So already there is a mix of that. And uh, then you founded your first company, uh, Genova IG, uh, after your college uh, and ran that company for four years. And after that, you became the CEO of uh, Exno Active uh, and you remained there as for seven years and then become a CEO of Exno Vibe in October 2014. I would love to know more about your professional journey. And I'm also curious about the backstory of Xnovibe, which user and problem does Xnovibe serve? Yeah, so from uh, my journey is, is quite straightforward, I think. So uh, I, as you mentioned, so, so weighing and analyzing um, uh, location elements has been always my passion uh, in, in in context with in, informatics in general, so with IT general. So I've been always a kind of tech nerd, uh, more interested on, on the no, new modern stuff than on the classical surveying problems. So therefore with GNO, what we did uh, uh, develop a, a 
close to the gaming industry technology to visualize landscape in 3D, uh, similar to, to Google Earth by then. We couldn't find a business case, so we had to stop the kind of, beside of, of uh, ad traffic simulation visuals yeah. for, for, to, to create the images of towers, right? So uh, we stopped there, and uh, at, then, uh, at that time, the, the preprocessor of X and Y of Endoxon got sold to Google, uh, becoming a part of Google Maps. And I got a call from the CEO of Endoxon, which has been a working colleague from the past. And he asked me, would you like to take over my job? And I said, ah, something's going on. <laughs> yes. And then I joined the kind of uh, um, X and family. And uh, I've been very um uh, yeah interested in all the stuff my biggest problem after the kind of uh, deal with google has been i had uh, around 100 b2b project because google hasn't been interested there are no employees anymore so yeah. the first job has been hiring um geo um special enthusiasts which i did in the uk and wherever i could uh, find them and then we moved on and we particularly moved on by being uh, specialized in modelizing um customer flows with a uh, kind of uh, um, agent-based simulation, uh, computing and whatever. And uh, yeah, 2012, 2013, we said now we, we did a lot of simulations. So let's measure the customer flows in real time through yeah. to smartphones. And that has been the foundation of X and Y, right? Uh, um, that's what we do. So we try to keep an eye on the smartphones of uh, passengers uh, across all modes of transports. Um, uh, the major uh, um, user problem that we are solving is that we can monitor and uh, um, take care of day journeys without any effort from a user's point of view. So you don't have to tell where you are going. You don't have to look up your journey. We can predict it to a certain degree. So therefore, we really can um, keep an eye on the disruptions. And if there are disruptions, we can um, offer you better, faster, more yeah. efficient options um, uh, in real time. And obviously now that uh, by, by doing that, we learned that we can somehow influence people's behavior to a certain degree, yeah. right? <laughs> and now we, we do hope to make uh, a use of it for the um, decarbonization topic. Yeah. So saying we, we try, I mean, our ambition, our mission of X and Y in general is to take you out of your private car for a part of the journey. We, 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 don't, we don't tell you to sell the car, but to take yeah. you out of your private car and put you into a so-called integrated mobility systems. And that's what we live for. That's super tricky. It's uh, sometimes kind of annoying, but uh, <laughs> um, highly fascinating. That's, that's what we do and that's where I'm coming from. So keeping an eye on how customer flow through the infrastructure to optimize the flow of the infrastructure. Um, first of all, to detect their patterns and habits and understand them and, and uh, understand the position of them as well. And then going into the psychology element to say, how can we get that specific user out of what he is doing into potentially an optimized uh, um, element? That's great. No, no, I love your vision and mission. And it's not idea is not to sell the car, but uh, don't use them too often. Yes. So, so don't, uh, use it when it's appropriate, right? Yeah. But if there are better and more efficient options, then we would like to offer that to you. And at the, at the very end, and I think that's true in, in all our application, you as a, as a passenger, you as a, a, a customer, you as a user, you do have the final decision right. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. So, so I agree. We, we offer you we, we offer you an option, but at the very end, we don't understand the full context of you, right? Now, maybe um, strange thing why you do stuff like you do it, right? That we can't measure through to a smartphone. And on the other hand, um, um, quite often local people do understand the situation a bit, bit better than just the, the pure engineered approach on, on a graph, right? So, oh, yeah. so therefore, uh, that's that's interesting bit and uh, therefore we also try to learn from those users what they do yeah, in, in their in their familiar areas so to speak well so no, it's, yes. it's a quite interesting job to see how people behave and move and and how you can influence and see some real-time result of that uh, influence i want to ask you about your project with uh, mta new york so XNOY was a part of first cohort of uh, Transit Tech Accelerator program in 2018, and you worked with MTN New York to improve the service and uh, customer communication by using smartphone app technology, which you have developed. And XNOY could send personalized communication based on commuter behavior, their location, and other contacts, uh, like you just mentioned about that. And in May 2020, you also launched an Essential Connector app in partnership with MTA, and, and it was very useful during the overnight closure of Subway in the city. So I would say these were the, some of the great projects. So I'm curious to learn more about these projects and how they help MTA to improve customer experience. It's a, it's a quite interesting story as well. Transit Tech Lab um, approach has been quite interesting because it, it is... Uh, a test how government organizations work with uh, modern startups. And I think yeah. it's a, a quite a quite successful project. The, the problem that we had to solve or the, the problem that, that we tried to achieve has been to predict disruptions in MTA's network uh, way better than before. And we came up obviously then uh, with the idea to say, okay, let's monitor how people travel. Let's learn from them what they do in case of disruptions. And on top of that, build a communication system that we can warn them even before they enter the subway system or the bus system of MTA in New York, telling them, yeah. look, there, there is a problem, stay at home or choose another route, choose another line, whatever. And uh, we did that in two phases. So first we had uh, to, to um, provide the proof of concept that we were able to do that in three months time. That's the structure of the Transit Tech Lab um, of New York. And then uh, if you have been successful, you could deliver a pilot for one year. And uh, obviously we have been lucky and could uh, uh, go into that kind of a one year's pilot. And then we had a launch date, which has been March, 2020. So everything has been ready and the <laughs> pandemic bombed it. So we didn't, yeah. we didn't officially launch that kind of app. And uh, there has been a, a certain degree of frustration in the company yeah. across all the developers and uh, those uh, um, um, psychologists and the UX designers, right? Was ah, just everything before the go, we got a full stop in. And a couple of days later, MTA called us up and told us, hey, we have a serious problem because they're not the Cuomo is going to announce that we shut down the subway and we need an app where <laughs> essential uh, um, workers can book a taxi during the closure of, of the subway and we said yeah we have an app ready so let's adjust that and it took us five days to integrate the taxi booking with two kind of uh, taxi providers in new york right and and you see even in that kind of critical element we have to integrate two taxi services that there is no preferred solution from a government perspective yeah. so even then governance and policies have to be in place we have to develop the whole policies 
when um, are user allowed to book the kind of taxi on behalf of uh, the state of New York, right? Um, uh, we had to discover a lot of edge cases. What is if someone travels 10 to 5 till um, 520 and yeah. so on and so on. And um, But we could deliver the whole solution in five days, which uh, uh, created the opposite um, effect in the company. So everyone got totally energized. And due to COVID, right, we had uh, nothing to do. So everyone has been stocked at home and that allowed us to develop 24 hours in, in a huge, tremendous effort and uh, has been super time these five days. I mean, no one did sleep. Uh, everyone has been working hard and, and at the very end, the product got launched and uh, we, I've been very proud of, of the team and uh, NTA really appreciated the hard work that we have been doing in five days. That's but without point. the transit tech lab work, we, we, we wouldn't have been in a position to do that, right? So the whole um, development that we did through to that kind of um, transit tech lab uh, phase has yeah. been essential to deliver a product so quickly. And that leads on in, 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 in other ideas, in more projects in New York. So um, quite an interesting, successful story for um, our company at Oya. Yeah, and also, you know, I think what you mentioned, very important, like a lot of startup phase, the challenge uh, during this pandemic, like some of them need to kind of close permanently because they were ready and suddenly this pandemic hit and everything stopped. So in that sense, it's lucky that you managed to pivot quickly and that's an entrepreneurial life. Pivot quickly and, you know, change it to something which is exactly. useful for the client and uh, implement it. And and the client was happy because uh, I read a lot of news about uh, the app and it was very useful during those closer period for MT and York. Yeah, so I, I mean, as always, there have been quite interesting insights. So we saw the, um, in the first guest, just as a, as a fun side story, right? Um, yeah, essential workers, those are uh, um, either nurses, doctors, and whatever, who, is, who has to work at late shift, right, during the night and whatever. Yeah. And then it turned out the majority of the user has been Amazon and FedEx delivery centers. <laughs> so that has been quite funny as well. So those um, poor people who had to ship a lot of stuff, I mean, Pandemic yeah. boosted that obviously as well, right? So that has been the majority of the user who use that kind of uh, solution. But, um, and, and I think that they yeah. were useful too. They were important too at that time when everything was stopped and the delivery just increased. So exactly. it's a good part of the society. Now you mentioned about Xnovibe leverage smartphone data to analyze and predict passenger travel pattern. And I certainly see a lot of potential, a lot of positive cases like delivering personal messages, like you mentioned in case of disruption, incident, and the transit agency can also offer personalized rewards like complimentary drinks or gift certificate and free ride and all. But people have concern about data privacy and potential data threats. So how do you address those challenges with the app? Because when you track users, they feel like even though I don't know why some people are worried about it because there is nothing to hide, but people have these concerns of why somebody is tracking me, why my personal data is taken away. Yeah, it's also a, a kind of fascinating topic. We always look from two perspectives on, on that kind of challenge. So one perspective is the user's one, right? And if you, if you ask users, are you willing to share your location for um, such kind of services? I mean, there's a lot of, of people who say yes, because they do see the relation like a sat-nav system. So if you use your car and you use your sat-nav, you have to share the location. But but it's there are also a lot of, of people saying no, because it's the government who collects or close to the government uh, solution. So, so there's a majority potentially says no, no way. 
if then um, the day comes and you launch the app, it's a totally different picture. Yeah. People, as long as the value proposition is good enough, people don't care about that. So they just turn it on, they just leave it, let it go, right? So no doubts, nothing like that. As long as we don't drain the batteries, yeah. <laughs> all is fine. As, as, as soon as we start to drain the batteries, right, the app is getting killed and uh, um, is not existing uh, on its smartphones as well. Nevertheless, I mean, I think we do have luck that we are based in Europe and we have a, a slightly different understanding regarding yeah. privacy treatment and GDPR. So transparency to the end users and building trust to the end users by showing them everything, what we do by asking them for consents for every single thing that we do. So really a, a highly professional treatment from, from a privacy point of view helps a lot. Yeah. Also from a user's perspective. And the other perspective is then more uh, from, from a public transport operator, public transport agency's point of view. And there it has a lot to do, first of all, with um, uh, mandatory uh, legal elements, but those are coverable easily. I, I, I mean, that's the easiest part. It's, <laughs> it's not super easy, but it's the easiest <laughs> part. And then it has, a lot, it has a lot to do with reputation management. So therefore, um, and, and, and that's uh, what we figured out is that, I mean, if you are fully transparent to the end user, inform them, maybe try to educate the end user as well. As well, it helps a lot on, on, on the reputation management um, uh, in general, because yeah. the biggest fear of, of uh, those uh, uh, governmental organizations is that they're getting, getting put into the newspaper. And if we tell the newspaper and invite the newspaper in the beginning and tell them why we are doing that and uh, uh, um, what that means for the whole city or the whole region from a data point of view, that we don't sell the data um, yeah. to third parties, that the user stays in control of its data, I think then they appreciate the modern approach of, of privacy and that's something that we really take uh, super super serious hmm. um first of all to to show those kind of organizations what's possible and secondly then also even as a small start internally regarding processes rules restrictions we have those kind of data centers spread across the globe because u.s data have to stay in the u.s and no one else from the company has the right to access than someone who sits in the US as one example, okay. right? So it's a, it's a huge organizational challenge for a, a small company like we are, but um, it's, I think it's essential. It's the way how it should work um, yeah. for the future. I agree. And I think that's the best part working in Europe, the strong GDPR regulation. You start with those stringent regulations. So you can be easily compliant with any other country in the world once you are compliant in Europe following such uh, strict law. Yeah, and and I think it's 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 not only on, on, on the legal side, it's also how to treat the end users, right? And all the kind of stuff that's what we what we must do and uh, uh, what is also right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, what you mentioned about uh, the transparency bring the confidence. So when you are more transparent with the with the user, you do better communication with the with the stakeholder. The the trust come into the picture and the reputation help to continue that trust. So now yes. I would like to discuss the broader topic about customer satisfaction and loyalty in public transport because I think that's a need of the hour uh, when there are so many modes. How to build the customer satisfaction as well as loyalty in public transport. 
and there are a lot of study done on these topic i want to ask you two question one is uh, is it critical for transit agency to understand the aspect of public transport that influence user to become loyal to the system because a lot of time public transit agency don't know what factor impact the consumer and these insight can help transit company to develop a strategic plan to retain riders what are those important aspect and the second point is how do you think the challenge will grow with new generation z and generation alpha the people who are born in this tiktok uh, era and and they have a different expectation from public transit i guess um uh, it's it's those are not very surprising answers so first of all what what i'd like to mention here i think um whatever you do if it's if it's uh, a loyalty system or if it's incentivizing behavior change or whatever those are add-ons to uh the real service that the public transport operator should provide and that's sell what they are doing great way better than nowadays yeah i mean if you, if you if you do think uh, i can make two examples i mean they have all information available about real time and if you are not going to make your connection but they normally use it for the management of the vehicles itself but not for the end user and that's our primary goal to bring that kind of information in a useful and uh, a seamless and easiest possible way to the end user to inform you what you could do before the journey and then also overcoming that kind of silo thinking this is public transport and this is private cars right because a lot of users use both so they are kind of hybrid so so then please and that's what we do in a, in in a in a in a in a first um, priority right put those information together and uh, and uh, make it effortless that you get as a you end user um, uh, how the situation looks like and what you could do now then obviously uh, apologizing for delays and the thing thank you for being a loyal user it's a good thing so people yeah. appreciate that and uh, funny wise it's kind of independent from how uh, those uh, citizens look at public transport i mean in switzerland we are very proud of it in new york not so sure how people <laughs> are proud of nta but uh, in in both cases i think it's if, if public transport operate say sorry for the delay here is a free coffee at the next station yeah. people are going to appreciate that at least and it makes a it makes an impact i don't know if, if it's quantifiable but it is it's an add on right which which differentiates you potentially from other apps private apps who just telling you uh here is the way from a to b so that that's that's one element of it and the other element it's um if you'd like to uh, finance mobility as a service initiatives you can't do that just by taking a, a commission out of the bookings mm. that's no business model so by integrating that kind of third party retailers and uh, whatever into the kind of stream in a very smart way by apologizing for stuff and building a kind of loyalty uh, there's a new revenue stream who who potentially finance the whole project that's what we what we usually do then the, the question regarding this new generations i i don't think it's 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 a big difference right now because you know it's it's mobility it's not fun it's something that you have to do to travel from a to b yeah and um even the, the those generation like like you and i we are i think we both think we're we're quite advanced by using a smartphone so there is nothing <laughs> nothing more to learn to buy a ticket or plan a journey right we are able to do that and the younger generation is able to do that as well so yeah. it's more 
it's more a tool. I think what we do and, and, and those mobility aspects in general is more a toolkit for even for the younger generation to get maybe as cheap as possible, not as fast as possible. So there are potentially other attributes yeah. um, uh, uh, where they base their decisions on, right? But um, I don't think it's a big difference between those um, generations uh, regarding loyalty schemes and uh, whatever. Obviously, yeah. yes, you, you don't maybe sell a, uh, a tea, you may have to sell a Red Bull, but uh, that's uh, the other thing that you have to bear in mind. So. What is what is something meaningful if you if you run a loyalty system, right? What is something meaningful for that kind of specific customer? Uh, I, and the I, worst I, thing, in my opinion, are loyalty points because that's nothing. Oh, it's yeah. either money or it's something that I'm eager to get, but not points. That's true because generally you collect points and then you hit them using it and and it's lost. So give them a right exactly. reward at the right time. And I love the point you mentioned, the human nature will be kind of remain same. It's just in in some generation, the coffee is a good measure. In some generation, probably the some ball games or some coupons, scores and all. It, it's, exactly. It can work. Now, or uh, iTunes, uh, iTunes voucher or whatever. Right? <laughs> Spotify. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. <laughs> Spotify, Netflix, so on, so on. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. yeah, that's true. Now, the pandemic, we all know, had a big impact on ridership pattern. And in mostly in developed country, I saw recently Google data, which show that uh, many of the developed country, the ridership is less than 50%, owing to different reasons. Some people are working from home. Some people are not traveling at all. And, and I think some of these numbers can be permanent in some of the city because it's not possible that we are going back to the exact normal uh, again. So how can you think the transit agency influence riders' behavior? And why do you think customer satisfaction will be the real differentiator in the future? Like the small point you mentioned about uh, sending sorry messages if the train is late or, or thank you messages when they behave. So how do you think the customer satisfaction will be very important in coming years? I think there are, there are, there are, there are three um, strategies that the public transport operator has to think about it. And first of all is um, keep the existing customers. Don't lose more, yeah. right? So that, that's something that, that a lot of people forget. That there is the chance that, that uh, this trend that we have seen during the pandemic, so switching to cars or staying four days at home and not commuting anymore, right? Um, um, could, could move on over the next couple of, of, of months and years, particularly if you think that people start to buy houses outside of the cities and have yeah. a nice life and make a, a totally new experience there. So keep the existing customers by either coming up with loyalty system or with adapted products. So here in Switzerland, uh, a lot of um, people don't renew the season abonnement. The season, uh, seasonal subscription, the yearly subscriptions, because they don't know how much it fell. So coming up with flexible structure with, with best price guarantees and whatever, uh, but, and I think that's happening already. So that's something that public transport operate recognized. But then also saying thank you for traveling again with us and shipping a coffee to generate an additional revenue stream is a proper strategy, right? The second one then is, is, is more trying to, to um, again, get people out of their cars. So instead of only focusing off the, and, and, and really, I, I don't know why that is happening, but quite often public transport 
companies and agencies are focused on the, their passengers. They don't look at the potential outside of those yeah. kind of passengers that may people are commute um, with their cars where public transport could be an option. And, and that's, that's, that's something else that I think it's, it's a, um, a strategy that they should consider and say, hey, let's look at all those private car drivers and those ones who switch from public transport to the cars again. How yeah. can we win them back and how can we potentially increase the number of riders again? Because yeah, the losses are, are uh, tremendous. In most of, of the organizations, and they struggling with financing the service, the pre-pandemic services, right? So, so therefore, it has to be a new strategy to win customers again, which potentially hasn't been the case before, right? A lot of system reached their maximum of capacity, whatever, and that's a, a new, a new, and uh, not unusual situation, I guess. Yeah. So if you, if you think about a retailer that will come up with marketing campaigns and try to win customers from others, why not in mobility? Yeah. yeah, that that's very true, and and it's it's important to look beyond what you already have. It's it's important to keep them in the pub in the in the public transit, but also to look how to bring young people, how to make service more accessible for people who can't drive the car and uh, bring technology feature to to do that i i fully agree with you and in some of the public transit agency they lack in some area but there are some of them which are going very interesting stuff and i love what berlin uh, do i mean in berlin they have such an innovative marketing campaign and and if you see those marketing ads you feel like man this is this is amazing exactly exactly and yeah. it's 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 about you know it's it's not only uh, for me that's important as well. So it's not only about um, implement or deploying a, a, a digital interface to the end customer like like our solution. It's also thinking about the, the fare structures, right? Yeah. Thinking about the the serve the lines, the routes of buses. It's about uh, uh, thinking about other stuff, right? Maybe adding new vehicles and and whatever so so it's a variety of of uh, um, options and solutions that may will end up then to to keep the customers and potentially win new ones as well there is no one strategy it's a, it's a combination of no it's a it's a mixture it's a combination of it right exactly. i agree i agree now other important point i want to ask you even though you mentioned uh, xnovibe is a startup but i already see your working with a big transit network in Asia, Europe, and North America, to name some of them, like you're already working with MTA in New York, you're working with Deutsche Bahn in Germany, SPP in Switzerland, JREs in Japan, SMRT in Singapore, and so on. There are so many other players. So my, I have many questions about that. So my first question is, what is your learning by working with these agencies? Because you're working with such a diverse uh, player. And what did you learn about the rider behavior on different continents? Uh, because uh, like you mentioned, you are studying the rider behavior and how do you see they reflect uh, a different behavior pre and post COVID era? Yeah, so um, first of all, it's a tremendous effort to convince those kind of organizations to go with us in a partnership and not look at a buyer supplier relationship. And obviously one big, big challenge for companies like us, but not only like us, is, is uh, our public tenders, 
Yeah. Because normally, then, if you go, if you have to go into public tender, then you have a, a quite technical approach to solve a problem, and it's not an, uh, a solution or not an approach which goes over five or ten years in a joint effort to achieve the kind of goal. So we, we really, I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable how how patient you have to stay, right, to to overcome this <laughs> obstacle, to convince the right people, to get the deals in place, then to convince the procurement and the legal stuff, and you know, and and at the very end there is a privacy challenge which potentially destroys the whole story and, and so on. So, so it's it's a, uh, I think you you really have to to believe in what you're doing and stay super patient and. Uh, and uh, don't get nervous don't get upset just just uh, keep doing it uh, head down and run right yes yeah, so <laughs> that's uh, um, uh, that, that that's that kind of thing then regarding uh, regional differences i'm not sure if it's if it's based on on culture i think it's more based on the kind of service which is um, existing already you know i i can make you maybe in three examples so we have la which is a non public transport city Right, so only a handful of people are traveling with public transport, and then you have a lot of cars, and that's a totally different environment than New York um, in general. Right, in, yeah. in the U.S., so same country, same similar culture, I would say, but but uh, just the infrastructure has a has had a totally different approach. But that that obviously uh, um, is something that we do see reflected in the data, and uh, uh, that uh, um, uh, where we have to. Or, that's then the case where we have to adapt our, our strategies, how to approach uh, um, things and what kind of aims do we have to um, implement and so on and so on. Then we have a, a bit of Central Europe, so we're proud of public transport. We think we have an excellent uh, quality of public transport, which is actually the truth. But if you, if you bear in mind that uh, in Switzerland, still 75% um, of the commuter rides are done by car, I'm not sure what that means, right? <laughs> so we have a super high quality. We we have short distances. We have we have everything, but but still, the majority of the people use the car to commute, right? And then you have uh, one market around the globe, which is Japan, which is really really different because the majority of the people are using public transport, yeah. right? So so those are the kind of differences which which are fascinating, and um, also the projects, right? In, in Japan, we are maybe one step ahead because uh, decarbonizing strategies don't work there. No one is driving a car. But what they did understand is they, they own the station. So to link the, the passenger flow with the retail stores yeah. on those large towers is the business model for public transport there. So we are working with some lines there, not with JR East, which is making the major revenue from retail stores and uh, and uh, real estate in general, and not public transport anymore, right? And 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 that's really it. I think the effect of COVID are pretty much the same around the globe. So there is obviously work from home, which has a, a tremendous effect. Maybe that's going to to um, adapt a little bit when the restrictions are eased, yes. right? And then the second thing, there is a shift from public transport to cars. Ah, okay. So you see that's a common thread everywhere. People shift from public. That, that, that's a common trend. And then there is a side story that, uh, where we, where, uh, that we see as well in, in our uh, daily life. It's, it's not only public transport who got affected. It's also the coffee chains who build their stores along 
the mobility patterns of users and all the other little stores, you know, the whole ecosystem who, who has been, um, yeah, an excellent performance before the pandemic is suffering a little bit because of lack of customs. Yeah, it's, it's also true. When you travel by public transport, you look around, you shop around, you spend some time in the local shops, local economy. But when you're traveling by car, you just move from one distance to another and, and you have no interaction uh, during the journey. So you just go from point A to exactly. point B. But when you travel by public transit, you have so many other touch points, which is important. And I think the city need to understand that it's not only, like you rightly mentioned, it's not only about the public transit, but it's also the local economy, local coffee shops and local jobs. Exactly. That's and that's super interesting. I mean, for us, it's... it's uh... It's quite beneficial because we have a strategy covering those kind, or we had a toolkit and a strategy covering all those kind of addressing all those kind of challenges. So therefore, um, yeah, we can't we can't claim right now. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a that's a great job you are doing because not only supporting public transit but also the local economy around those public transit, which is important. Uh, now I want to touch upon the point which you mentioned in the beginning about uh, changing people behavior and uh, studying uh, the psychology and all. In, in fact, there was a very good article in uh, Harvard Business Review recently in April uh, and where they talk about that companies are increasingly using different kind of algorithm to manage and control individual, not by force, but rather by nudging them into a desirable behavior. Uh, in other words, learning from their personalized data and altering their choice in, in a, some subtle way, not not drastic way, but uh, some subtle way. Can you share some example uh, how some other mobility player like ride sharing, car sharing, e-scooter companies are using these kind of technology and how you think uh, these technology can be used by the transit agencies and, and which transit agency is doing great work in the consumer behavioral science area? Because this is not the topic which a lot of people talk about in public transport, the consumer behavioral science. But do you think uh, any agency is advanced in that area? Um, yeah. they, are, they are, I wouldn't say it's advanced. There are some who are more interested in it and some that uh, are less interested in it. So that's, that's at least uh, based on our experience for, for good reasons, right? Uh, I mean, yeah particularly pandemic costs that they really have to focus on their core business again. And there's no, no room for innovation, no room for, for experiments, for research anymore, because uh, they, they have uh, uh, yeah, a huge problem uh, regarding the, the financial situations of them itself. And they, they have to do the best. But obviously, there are, there are different kinds of ambitions right now. And I think there are a, a lot of opportunities. So US, Europe, you, you have a uh, a strong interest, particularly from the politician, regarding carbon emission savings. Mm. So, if you link that with carbon emission savings, may you 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 do find other funding sources, you know, other other money pockets not coming from or not reserved for mobility, but yeah. maybe more for for carbon carbon emission savings. That's one interesting thing. And I already mentioned the, the example in Asia, where they try to reboost their so-called lifestyle business. So getting people back into their retail store is one of the core strategies and, and getting the margins um, and there. Regarding um, uh, yeah, behavior change, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. What, what we, uh, again, did learn is that the, the value proposition for changing behavior is re very relevant. It quite often has to do 
in mobility with, with the product. So it's more, you are faster there. You're more, uh, I mean, you are uh, there on time, whatever those kind of arguments are, are the more convincing one. And then maybe you can slightly emphasize that kind of option by saying, and we finance you the public transport ticket. Yeah. Right, so, so I, I know a lot of examples like getting uh, vouchers. I mean, that's the classical thing, right? If you join a ride with us in the next five minutes um, or in the next five days and you get a 20% off vouchers. I know a project where the app uh, uh, told the end is you get the first um, e-scooter ride for free. Yeah. So they generated a lot of download rates, but no monthly active users anymore because everyone took the ride and then uh, okay. fine. So, so it's a delicate topic and, uh, and a fascinating one. But in general, I would say it works. And we know that, I mean, we know that from Amazon, we know that from, from Netflix, <laughs> from Spotify. So, and, and it works in the real life slash mobility as well. Yeah, so we, we should see something like a transit agency saying next to ride on us. So come and, and take up, enjoy public transit. Yeah, uh, and those are kind of concepts which which um, uh, which we will see pretty soon, but oh. mainly from from the decarbonization strategy. So if you park your car here and take public transport, we are going to fund you the parking fee or the public transport fee. So so those kind of incentivization and 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 rewarding strategies. That's something. Um, um, what we are doing right now, what we're sorting out how effective they are and uh, how much the impact then on, on our carbon emissions is. That's great. No launch in, in launch in Toronto. I'll be the first user to, to use yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I, I Sounds, good. Mentioned, Sounds good. <laughs> you mentioned one important point, which is uh, that the core service should be good. So these, these value addition can only work when the, the core value proposition, the real service is good and we can build on. And the second point, which I like, you mentioned about uh, the carbon reduction strategy. In fact, uh, Tesla got a lot of money from California State uh, or, or other company for e selling electric vehicle and all. And it's sad that uh, the transit agencies don't get benefit of these carbon capture or carbon reduction because they are reducing a lot of carbon uh, by by providing these services and all. Yeah. Now you. Uh, mention about uh, you are already collecting one of the key aspects of rider, their travel pattern. And XnoVive already has a platform to offer incentive to use user to shift to the carbon neutral behavior, which you are emphasizing again and again. So now you have all the tech side and is there any plan to launch mobility as a service feature to work with other player? And uh, what is your long-term vision with the XnoVive? Yeah, I, I mean, from from a strategy point of view, we 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 clearly um, uh, we clearly have the ambition to work closely with the government and the public transport organization for urban areas mainly, uh, because we do think we 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 have tools ready to have a, an immediate impact on carbon emissions and an immediate impact on winning back riderships as well. But uh, as I mentioned it before, it's it's a joint effort. So yeah. we do have to understand the service quality. We have to understand the political goals behind the scenes and so on and so on. And we only can deliver the, the toolkits, right? That's, that's what we are great in. And we know a little bit how to motivate people to change the habit. So that's our expertise that we bring in. But it's essential that those kind of 
uh, um, expert expertises go together. And, and yes, we are working on, on some uh, nationwide products that we launch together with some partners and then try to um, win city by city into that kind of strategies. Um, and um, yes, that's the other challenge or the other uh, nice thing on our side, we invest in those kind of, of strategies. So that means we are not asking for funding from the beginning from that kind of government structure with uh, most likely or most often nowadays is, is a full stop because there's no money yeah. anymore left. So, so we are going to invest that we're trying to build that kind of relationship and we're trying to um, uh, moving along a joint journey to achieve those goals for, for the citizen and for the society there. That's, that's our vision. And as I mentioned, it, I think uh, um, carbon emission or emission in general, so it's noise as well, it's, uh, uh, um, it's carbon emission, it's pollution, whatever. Those are quite interesting goals. And at the very end, the, the simple thing that we have to achieve from an engineering point is to use the existing infrastructure in a way more efficient way. Because if the flow on the road, the flow on the, on the rails, the flow on, through to the city, is, is kind of flattened and it's smooth, then I think we have a, uh, we can make a huge impact on, on all different aspects of it. That's yeah. true. That's very true. And I'm, I'm surprised, like when you say you are investing and you are supporting transit agencies in this time and uh, they are not coming forward. And actually that's, a, that's my next question. What are the key challenges faced by the startup in transit and mobility space? You mentioned about public tendering and all. And how do you think the startup like Exnovibe can partner with transit agencies to support their mission? Yeah, so um, the, the first thing again is they, 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 are, they, they have a, maybe it's not polit politically right what I'm going to say, but, but they are kind of narrow-minded, right? You know, we are running trains. And, 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 and I mean, I, I saw it quite often, they are thinking about uh, uh, tracks and coaches and whatever but not about passengers. Yeah. But that problem is how can I move that kind of composition from A to B as safe and fast, and, uh, which, is, which is okay, right? And, and that's, that's the challenge. If you come in and say, hey, look, we represent the passenger and we'd like to, <laughs> to, to integrate your quite technical system with any kind of mode of transport. What, yeah. what are your goals? Oh, I don't know. So, so therefore, what in our experience is quite good to, to get the, the, the government, so states and communes and whatever, um, into that kind of game as well, because their political goals are, are more customer or citizen orientated than just the, the operation of a, of, a, of a, a transit company. And uh, we have different variations, but what is working quite well right now is going into a kind of joint venture with them because the joint venture has the beauty of um, that it's an op organization who is responsible for delivering that kind of customer service, right? Yeah. The, the government and the agencies, they can take influence regarding governance and policy settings and, and other kind of elements, but the organization itself has a certain kind of freedom to move on quickly, to make decisions quickly without going back to... Uh, um, incredible slow decision processes giving the, the the whole political system behind the scenes yeah. so that's what we are that's what we're trying to do and i think that you also could call it a, a, a public private partnerships or however you do that i think that's the way to move on 
if there is an ambition to use modern tech and experiences from outside the public transport section um, to have an impact on, on kind of, of uh, governmental problems. No, that's a great point you mentioned about uh, that public transit agencies focus so much on the vehicle and they forget uh, who are using those vehicles and who is traveling in those vehicles, the passenger. So you need to exactly. talk about the journeys, not about uh, trips. So right now they say like how many trips we complete, not how many journeys we facilitate. Exactly. And the trips is from station A to station B. What happened before and what after, and, and even you know, I mean, there, there are kind of classical uh, metrics for for um, uh, traffic management in general. That's one is the reason of the journey. Which public transport operator understands the reason of a journey? No one, I would guess. Yeah. I don't know. So <laughs> it's, it's just another it's... way of of solving a problem. And, and and I mean, it's not wrong, right? It in general it works. Yeah. Yeah, but if yeah. you'd like to to achieve uh, bigger ambitions, and if you have the problem to win back ridership, then may it's now time to to slightly change the way how you think and go into a cooperation with with other kind of specialists in that kind of field. No, I love that. Uh, I agree with you. It's a changing time, so you need to change your focus and goal and bring new perspective uh, into the picture yes so we we discuss about mobility we discuss about consumer behavior and so many other things now i want to ask you a few personal questions and and want to know a little more about what you think about those and it's it's basically a rapid fire round so i'll be asking you five questions and and just give me answer quickly whatever comes to your mind uh so if you're ready uh i can start my questions <laughs> I am. I am. Okay. So my first question is, you mentioned about that you love the surveying technology and technology, but if you were not in the technology sector, what other profession you would have selected? I mean, it's obvious psychologist, because I, I really love to understand why we are so boring, why we are doing the same and the same and the same. I, I agree with that. In, in fact, that's the topic which I'm becoming more and more interested uh, to understand. Uh, my second question is about which uh, is maybe difficult for you because uh, you travel so much around the world, working with so many clients around the world. Which is your favorite city? For me, it's uh, um, maybe, I mean, I, I love a lot of different cities, but maybe it's Tokyo because uh, I'm always quite confused. I think it's pretty much the same like in Europe or in the US, in the Western world, but then it's totally different. Yeah. So you, you can't apply what you learned in our world with Tokyo. I mean, and, and that's what I love. So it feels like a, a, a little adventure there, right? But there mm -hmm. are, a, I mean, I do love almost all cities and, uh, and all the specifics. So, yeah. <laughs> but the favorite one is the Tokyo. Same, same for me. I love that city too. Uh, now, another question is also difficult for you because you're working with so many different transit systems in the world. Which is your favorite or which you think is the best transit network in the world it's simple it's that one uh, of lucerne where our headquarters is because i'm most familiar with so <laughs> so I, I think it's a in any other city right i have to learn what the bus routes are so it's a kind of hassle and i need a lot of support in lucerne i just can't travel i'm not sure if it's the best um, um, uh, um uh, transport organization or whatever but it's uh, the system where i feel familiar with it's a first love, you know, it's first love at home. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and also you meet a lot of business leaders, you meet a lot of people in the mobility sector. So who's your favorite business leader in the mobility sector? 
For me, um, uh, I've been very impressed about Andy Byford, it's former CEO of MTA and our commissioner of, of TFL in London, because uh, when we had the chance to meet him in this kind of transit tech club, he mentioned, look, we are really good in moving people from A to B, fast, reliable, secure, whatever, right? That's our job. Everything else, we are not the best. So therefore, we do have to go into partnership with other companies. And transit club tech is one approach to, to is one experiment to see how could we do that. And I think that's very true, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, if we'd like to, to move on, and it's not only um, in the mobility space, we really have to align forces with different experts to achieve bigger goals. I agree. No, Andy, Andy is amazing. The way he transformed London and then he moved to New York and now come back to, to improve London again. So it's great to see his work. Yes, so I'm... I'm highly impressed uh, our, also how he did it and how he behaves and, and whatever. So it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're right. Uh, and my last question is, if you can change one thing in your life, what would it be? I would, I would love to, to um, act a bit more consciously because, you know, it's such a fast world and you have to shoot out decisions and you're distracted by all the devices. But, and I, I do got the feeling... I mean, I, I would love to spend more time by doing things, by eating stuff, right? And, and, and really experience all the tastes and richness. But it's, it's, I think it's a matter of, of, of this time that, that we do it just, uh, you know, as a kind of side story. That's done, yeah. that's done, TikTok, TikTok here. And, and we don't uh, really are aware of uh, what kind of great dishes and great people we meet and great discussions we attend, right? It's so, so short um, what we're doing here. Yeah, I think that's that's something that I try to change, but it's, it's super hard. Yeah, it's slowing down a little bit huh? with the in this fast. Slowing pace, down right? and, and just breathe what's around you, right? So so really becoming aware of all the kind of things. But at the moment, oh, we, we just yes. or I, at least my feeling, we, I just march, right? So now here, <laughs> now there, this meeting, that meeting, and then uh, I don't know Netflix and whatever as a distractor, which which feels not very right, right? And I think all our generation or all people are going through the same challenge. Uh, we, it's in the fast paced world. Someone we, we want to slow down. We want to go away from technology and all, but it's hard. Thank you so much, Roman. I mean, uh, I got really great insight from you and I love the conversation. I love what you are building at XNovive and helping transit uh, around the world. I really love your vision and mission, which is helping transit agencies and removing people from car and bring to public transit. Uh, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jasper. Again, I'm very honored that I could take part here and uh, it has been good fun. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We will be inviting some other inspiring guests in the coming week. You can subscribe to this podcast online to get notification for the next episode. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it will help us to spread our message. If you have any feedback and suggestion for this podcast, please do write to us at the rate info at the rate mobility-innovator.com. We'll see you next time.